today on Laura Lynn and Friends. It's certainly intimidating, there's no question about that, but I just knew, I just knew there was no way that I was going to consent to anything that put my daughter at risk. And with that certainty, that's what gave me the strength. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It's maybe not the last days, but it might be the beginning of them. Sure seems like it, right? Everything's a little bit crazy. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, I've had a fun day already today. I've been uh, chatting with a few people on my texts and sharing information back and forth. It's been very cool. Um, I think that we have to continue to speak and to do it lovingly and gently um, as people get information and discover that they haven't really been hearing the truth on CBC, CTV, or Global, and that the only place that you get that is the Laurel and Tyler Thompson Show. Just kidding, I'm not actually the only one. Uh, there's a few really great people out there who tell the truth, and I love that. So uh, you all know that I love reading from my dad's Bible, and I like to find a verse that he's underlined. And today I opened up to Psalm 78, and it's talking about the laws of God, um, where God says, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Um, and that his, it's, it's all about his precepts and his ways. And my dad underlined Psalm 78, 4. Um, and it says, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. That means a lot to me because that's exactly what my dad did. He showed me God's ways. My dad in our family taught us to love the Lord. And he taught us to obey the word of God. And he also taught me compassion and forgiveness. He, he taught me grace because he was gracious to me in my errors. I remember I'd gotten in trouble at school for doing something and my dad, uh, my mom was livid. Oh, 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 I was more scared of my mom than my dad. I'll tell you that. So she was livid. I'd gotten, you know, some, I'd done something I shouldn't have done. And um, my mom was none too happy and she wanted my dad to give me a piece of his mind. And my dad sat me down and I was scared because it was real silent in the house, you know that scary silence where you know you're in big trouble and this might cost you. You might be getting grounded or something might, might happen. And my dad said this after a long silence. The silence was the hardest part. And then my dad said, you know, Laura Lynn, you're the one who will bear the consequences of your actions. So if you misbehave, the consequences will be on you. And they're usually very difficult. And I remember sitting there and thinking about his words. And I thought, he's so right. And I knew I'd done something I shouldn't have done. And I was experiencing the consequences. And I waited for my dad to wheel down the hammer of justice and to so make me pay for what I'd done in an even worse way. And then he said, all right, you can go. 
And I'm, I'm like, is that it? Wow. And his words have stuck with me for, for I'm not going to say how many years. Many years. His words stayed with me in my heart. Your actions will bring the consequences into your life. You will bear the consequences of whatever you do. So before you do something stupid, you should think about it because it will bring down its own realm of pain. And that was it. He didn't have anything more to say. Do you know what he taught me in that moment? As I look back, I remember how gracious he was because I know he could have done more. I know my mom was behind the scenes. Oh, just let her have it. She, she's got to learn. She needs, she needs some, some consequences from us for what this, for what's happened. And he didn't, he was just so gracious. He was so kind. Like my loving heavenly father has been to me when I've made mistakes and when he's had to forgive me. If any of us know of mistakes in our lives that we don't know how to get past because we feel that shame, God is always sitting there and he's saying, don't do that because there's going to be consequences to that sin. Don't do it. Walk in my ways. Walk in my precepts. Share them from generation to generation. Tell your kids how to follow me because a good life comes out of good decisions made on godly principles. And that's why we love our children. That's why we teach our kids. That's why we, we continue the legacy of living right, especially when we've been taught in right ways. So that was very powerful to me. Um, so it means something. I, I didn't know that my dad underlined that about sharing God's ways to the children, but he did it. He lived it. I love that. So we've got some issues with children going on in our country. And um, I'm going to go to a new page here. Somebody made me this amazing little booklet, so I thought I'm going to start using it every day to write the notes down from each day that we have and, and different important things that I learn from our guests. Um, we have a problem in Canada, and that is that parental rights are under attack. We've seen in this nation that uh, young people, teenagers, can take... Um, cross-sex hormones without parental permission. We've seen in this nation that parents can fight each other and even force kids to get vaccinations. Um, we've seen in this country that when one parent disagrees with another parent, the courts are filled with all kinds of hassles over that. But there's a new thing that's sort of happening, and that is that in the medical realm, that parents are being threatened that if they don't follow the medical authorities and don't we know how brilliant they are this last three years, but if you don't follow them and you don't do what they say, then maybe they're going to call in the child services and put you on notice and perhaps take your children or put you on a watch list as perhaps you're a bad parent if you don't do exactly as we say. Well, that scenario happened to our guest today, and her name is Andrea, and we're going to bring on Andrea and Tasha. Tasha Fishman is a friend of mine, and she alerted me to, to Andrea's story. Andrea, could you catch us up? We, we've already had you on the show, 
you were in the hospital the last time we spoke with you and you were dealing with a horrific, I would dare say it would be a nightmare for any parent to uh, go through what you've recently gone through. So maybe for those that didn't see the show, Andrea, would you be able to tell them what happened and catch us up to today? Right. So I have already shared with you that I admitted into the hospital. My daughter was admitted into the hospital for um, influenza RSV and pneumonia. And um, from there, things escalated quite quickly. And we were told that um, she potentially had meningitis. They wanted to uh, get a blood culture, which I agreed to. Um, they also wanted a CT scan, which I was agreeable to. And after both those came back negative, they still wanted to have a spinal tap. And I did not agree to that. I said, I'm not interested. That's not something I wanna put my daughter through for the risks associated. And um, because they had treated her as though she had meningitis, she was on antibiotics, which means that had she have had that spinal tap anyways, the probability of it coming back negative was pretty high. So for that reason, along with the risks that were associated, I decided that wasn't something that I wanted to do. So they had a whole group of doctors and nurses and anyone who was caring for Isabella, my daughter, uh, come to the room and have a conversation with me where I shared uh, my view on the situation and what I did not want to do. Um, from there, they said, okay, if you're not going to do a spinal tap, then we're gonna have to do an MRI. And I had spent a lot of time researching, okay, what's involved in an MRI, what is gonna happen? Um, and what they wanted to do with her is sedate her because you have to stay still for an MRI and she's only nine months old. So they wanted to sedate her and one of the agents that they used to actually see the uh, imaging in the MRI is called gadolinium and I wasn't comfortable with the potential side effects that that medication could have. So that's a synopsis of where we left off last time. and. Where we went from there is uh, the head doctor that was in charge of Isabella's situation. She had called Child Protective Services on me. And uh, I had said to her, go ahead and call them. That's not a problem. I'll have a conversation with them and tell them exactly where I stand and why it is that I'm declining this treatment. And I had that conversation with CPS and they actually didn't get back to me. They did listen to my viewpoints and understand where I was coming from. And she said to me, I will be in touch with you tomorrow. I did not get that phone call. But what I did get was uh, the nurse and several other people come into my room and tell me that if I did not uh, sign off on the consent form, that they would have her father do it for me and that if I further chose to just decline doing this and consent to it, that they would call a third party called the Public Guardian Trustees Office, um, and they would essentially mediate between us to see who was coming at it from better reason and logic. And presumably it would have been her father because he was siding with the hospital, but at that point I was put into a corner. No kidding. And Tasha, yeah. uh, you were following all of this and uh, actually kind of giving me some play-by-plays as it happened. And so what what have you um, seen in all of it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, Laura Lynn, you and I have been at this for a long time, the last few years, and we have been watching parental rights being systematically taken away at every turn, um, not only in the medical system, but the educational system as well. And this is another egregious abuse of power on behalf of the hospital and uh, our government agencies. This is where our taxpayer dollars are going to, to fund these ministries that are posing as, you know, benevolent healthcare systems that, um, you know, uh, there's no health in healthcare, I, I, I would say. But, you know, the real question is, the real issue that's going on is that, you know, informed consent in this country are two words that mean absolutely nothing. You know, you're either uninformed, which we've seen over the last three years, or misinformed, um, or information is being hidden from us as per the Pfizer documents that we know really well. And, um, you know, if you don't give consent, then you're, you're vetoed. And then you're coerced and there's a heavy hand and there's consequences. So as far as I'm concerned, the real question is, number one, who advocates for our children? Who has dominion over our children? In my opinion, as, as far as I know, God gave us dominion over our children. So at the end of the day, who gets the final say? This is a real problem because I think that the state feels that they own our children. That is definitely from the hundreds of people who are getting in touch with us that are in similar situations. I mean, it's really quite outstanding how many people have reached out to Andrea and I over the last week in similar situations and some far worse. Um, and then the second question is, is what does informed consent actually mean, especially if it's breached? Why do we have the Nuremberg Code and the Human Rights Act if they're all for naught and they mean absolutely nothing in this country? 100%. Um, and why haven't we learned from the past? Uh, this should be a settled issue. And I'm particularly alarmed because, Andrea, it looked like you did a lot of research and you found out that because your daughter was on an antibiotic, I thought that was very interesting, that probably this test would be for no reason. And yet there was potential harms from doing this test, which could in all likelihood give maybe a, a false reading. Right. Well, you know, they were concerned with complicated meningitis in particular. So that's why they were justifying their utilization of the MRI. Um, but having said that, she was only presenting lethargy and a little bit of stiffness. It didn't look like it was uh, advanced stiffness or intense uh, rigidity, but there was stiffness. But all of us have been sick, and I think we can attest to the fact that you get incredibly tired and you are stiff and sore and uncomfortable. So they weren't concerning signs to me. It wasn't as though she was presenting with a bulging fontanelle or she had um, the typical rash that is associated with meningitis. And the other piece to this is that I have two other daughters that are unvaccinated and meningitis is a highly contagious disease. Presumably they would have presented those symptoms themselves, which they did not. Um, and anybody else who would have been in contact her would have been susceptible to that. And I had many visitors and I had people coming in and out and they didn't seem to be concerned with that. So there was a lot of questions that I had. There was a lot of options that I proposed to them. I even said, perhaps I could go home and actually sign a form saying if she regresses in any manner, I'll bring her back to the hospital for further, further uh, testing. testing, you know. 
Um, I also said I'm willing to complete the entire round of antibiotic as though she has meningitis rather than do this testing with the gadolinium and the anesthetic. And both of those were refused. And I was actually in the procedural room and they told me at that very time, we do not require your consent. Your, her father's signature will suffice. So I did not sign those consent forms. Okay, so, so in the end of the matter, you did not sign the consent forms. Um, what are no. some of the, the har potential harms of having this procedure that your daughter had? Well, I don't know that I really can say too much on camera because I'm not a professional in this area, but what I did read was concerning. Um, with um, the anesthetic, there's obviously like neurological consequences potentially, but this is the nature of risks is that it's not 100% certainty. There's a potentiality that there could be um, a negative uh, side effect such as an allergic reaction um, or potential worse side effects. Um, I was concerned more with the gadolinium. Clearly, I was concerned with the anesthetic as well, but um, I don't feel that I can share that very well without maybe somebody saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. So I'd like to avoid that. Um, but with the gadolinium in particular, there's something called NSF and it's a type of fibrosis that leads to a lot of joint pain, muscle aches, headaches. And from what I read, it actually is a condition that can last lifelong. Having said that, it is highly associated with people that have uh, pre-existing kidney conditions, and Isabella tested negative for that, which was positive. But there wasn't 100% certainty that that is the only circumstance in which that happens. If you ask me as a mother, if there's any percentage of any adverse reactions or negative side effects, not only do I want to know about them, but I want to make a decision as to whether or not that's something I want to live with as I'm caring for her, and as she grows older, if that's something I'm comfortable with her having been exposed to. And that is what it was stripped of me, that decision to make an informed choice for my daughter based on all of the scientific evidence. I read a lot of literature to educate myself, not just things from Google. I was reading actual university uh, literature on the matter so that I can make a good decision for my daughter and I was not allowed to do that. And, um, She's been perfectly healthy since the day of birth, not a single issue. So for me to roll the dice and just see what happens with any procedure that they're interested in doing, I wasn't comfortable with that. And that's something I wanted to be incredibly informed about. And I was not even allowed to make that decision in the end. Well, just to add to that too, Laura Lynn, um, one of the side effects from um, the anesthesia, especially at that age is death. Like that's just one of the side effects. You can look it up yourself. That's why there is a risk that you have to, to sign off on. I remember when my son, they would not do the eye surgery that he needed until he was at least one year of age because they do not want to put children under for the risk. So the other piece to this that um, I wanna add to what Andrew is saying is that Bella was thriving. Not only do they do two uh, blood cultures and one CT scan that came back inconclusive and negative for meningitis, she was thriving. We know our children as mothers. We know when they're thriving and when they're not. And the other piece to this is that 
it's like they infantilize the parents as if we don't have the best interest of our children, as if we would not be watching them to make sure that they are thriving and want to continue in that matter. Like the person who cares the most about these children are the parents. And that might not be in every circumstance around the world, but the majority, that's what it is. So, um, you know, the for Andrea, as she said before, is um, the risk wasn't worth the benefit of finding this out, which ultimately she was right. It wasn't yes. meningitis. And so yeah, the reason so... the file, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you go ahead, Tasha. No, I was just going to say, the reason this hasn't gone on, the reason CPS has closed the file is because she had no choice. They lifted a heavy hand and she was forced to do it. So they got their way. And this is such um, a major crisis that we need to address in this country. Are we going to allow these organizations, these people, these forces to come in and tell us what to do? And what if the outcome is more serious at, an, at another time? And how many people has this happened to that don't have a platform and don't have a voice? Yeah, speaking of, um, many people have reached out in the last week or so. And um, one woman in particular, she said her daughter had died um, for some similar reasons. Obviously, she had a different case, but um, I couldn't help but cry. It was heartbroken to hear what she shared with me. And there was another lady who reached out to me who said that her granddaughter had died. Um, I'm yet to speak to her in detail, but we are going to have a conversation this weekend. And uh, maybe, Tasha, you can talk about uh, some of the call to action that we're planning. And uh, I would like to have these ladies, amongst many others, join. Sure, Tasha, there's there's something that you guys want to do and <clears throat> basically uh, bring about because of what you've seen happen. And also, Tasha, before you do the call to action, um, you you said that you've been hearing from all kinds of other people about other stories. And I'm not sure uh, if you're at liberty to tell those stories, but if you could tell us um, you know, what, what you have, have heard if, if you're able to about some other people going through the same thing with this basically tyrannical, um, group that comes in and says, you do as we say with your child or else. Yeah. It looks like there's a delay on, on Tasha's side. Is she, um, She's frozen. Okay. So that's why, that's why Tasha's not speaking. Okay. Yeah. Disconnect and come back in. Um, before we get to something else, let's look at, there is, um, this, this is happening in other places in the world. We have a website here, uh, a story on, uh, JT, if you could just put that up. Uh, New Zealand government tries to seize guardianship of baby after parents demand unvaccinated blood for surgery. A very similar thing where parents are under the gun. Um, if I had a child now knowing what I know, knowing what's in the vaccines and what's happening to the blood, um, I would want unvaccinated blood. And so this same kind of thing is happening, you know, in other places. And Andrea, I think it's good that you put in a call, a call to action, definitely, because um, not just in Canada, but worldwide, we're seeing an increase in people. They're literally trying to seize our children, whether they're trying to teach them things we don't believe in, 
<laughs> at school um, or sees them, you know, in, in other ways. They're trying to take their minds and now pretty much, you know, control of their, their, their health against a parent's wishes even. Right. It's an incredibly frustrating situation when you find yourself in it. And it required me to be uh, very methodical in how I was going to deal with these individuals and how I was going to face every obstacle that they put in my way. Because every time that I said no, they had a new uh, strategy to make me submit. And ultimately they won. But the way that I see it is they did it unlawfully. It was certainly illegal for them to go and do this without my consent. And I'm hoping there is something we can do about it. Tasha, you're back. I'm glad you're back. Um, I was going to ask yeah, you if there was any uh, possible um, stories that you could share with us before you do the call to action that you guys would like to implement, which is fantastic. Uh, but other stories that you, one or two of you have heard from other people that are quite harrowing as well. Right. Well, we, we all heard about the story with Willow, who three months ago in Surrey, BC, uh, had the same situation with the spinal tap, was there for two weeks with her son. And then once CPS came and they actually had a security guard telling her that she couldn't leave, she actually left when, uh, the first opportunity and took her son. And then there was an Amber Alert called on her and she was actually uh, jailed and heard away from her. I mean, huge trauma, right? When you're talking about, uh, you know, three-year-old, two-year-old little boy. So, um, you know, this is, is very similar. Andrea, you know, was 100% about being composed and um, keeping her demeanor and being calm through this entire process. I was really proud of her for that. But she also said to me, um, I can see how people get angry, so angry and leave. I can see how this happens, you know, because these are our children, <laughs> you know, every mother can identify with this, which is why I think this story is blown up as quickly as it is and has, and we're seeing this. Um, yeah. And I've had other people call. I, I've, I've got a list of people that I need to connect with that have said, this has happened to me. This happened in this way. This, I just, I can't really keep up. So uh, I common even spoke story. It's more common, yeah, than we wish it were. It's very yeah. sad. Yeah, hundred percent. They think they so, have that authority. Yeah, and so mama bears and police on guard are currently working on a document that will help parents when they walk and enter into the hospital. Uh, what to do, what to say, if this, if that, almost like a map, so to speak. So I think that that's one solution that we can work towards. We need to have some materials and um, some advocacy for us as parents against medical tyranny in whatever facet that it comes. And then um, the, the second call to action is that um, the lawyer, the freedom-minded lawyer that Andrea is speaking to has offered to host a Zoom call for parents who are in this situation, who have been in this situation, who are just interested in the topic and being part of the solution. Because I don't know about you, Laura, but I am so tired of just exposing the darkness and being gaslit. I am just ready to create a parallel society, find figure out the solutions, um, unite with as many parents like-minded as possible and make some serious change. So yes. this is one way. And um, we're looking forward to that. So that, Andrea, that is awesome. And so it. this Zoom call, I think that you said January 5th? January yes, 5th January at 8 p.m.? 8 p.m., yeah. So that would be 8 p.m. 
Central, right? Central Andrea? is that that's uh, Alberta time? CT. That would be Ontario. I'm actually going. So Eastern. I'm going to have to clarify that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I will clarify that and let you know, Tasha and Laura yeah. Lynn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Um, uh, people on the line are asking about your shirt, Tasha. They're actually saying, <laughs> yes. oh, I like her shirt. Where'd you get that shirt? Right? I got this at the uh, Laura Lynn uh, Freedom Reigns tour in Cranbrook, <laughs> along with yeah. my uh, my prayer warrior mug that I don't have today because I'm at my parents' place in Creston. But right. um, yeah, love this shirt. Yes, your tyranny <laughs> goes against my community standards. That's, that is yeah. a Laura Lynn Freedom Reign event <laughs> shirt. So I'm glad they're yeah, all asking about it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if we have more. If you write me on Proton Mail, uh, Kayleen might. We're gonna get more made for the events we have coming up, but we did sell out. We sold out of every shirt we had, so we just mm -hmm. have toques left now. And I'm glad you got a a, a prayer warrior mug as well. Um, so will we stand really behind you guys and Andrea. I'm just so proud of you that you were very calm. You, I guess you used every skill that you had because I imagine you felt pretty infuriated and not just mad, but scared, scared because of the power they seemed to wield and scared because they were trying to scare you. I can't actually say that at any time I felt scared. Really? I felt, uh, no, I did not. But what I did feel is that they were doing everything in their power to methodically strip away my rights. And they were hoping that I would not fight back. They were hoping that I was uneducated and unaware of what those rights are. And I just felt like this is a matter of what is right and what needs to be done. And that's why I'm speaking about it today is because other people need to know that yes, these things do go on and hopefully we can make some change. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm in shock that you weren't scared um, or intimidated. You've got to be really strong, Andrea. Um, good for you. I, I think, you know, most of us what is the worst terrified. thing? I, what is the worst that they can do to you? You know, like they pulled out all the stops and they probably would have pulled out more. But as we saw Willow go to jail, she's now out. I mean, you need to fight for your freedom and you need to speak up and you can't be afraid because if you're afraid, you will submit. Yeah, but if you're strong, you. you'll I always be able do that. to get there. You know, Andrea, I always think of when I'm facing something, I always think, okay, what's the worst case scenario? I always right. do that. I think I learned that from my parents. They'd kind of, you know, we'd, we'd brainstorm different things. My dad was not a man of fear at all. My dad, and yeah. neither was my mom. She went to Africa when she was, you know, a younger woman, basically by herself as a single missionary woman with, you know, another woman. And they, they, they formed and made 1500 churches there in Kenya and Uganda. And, um, she, she was really not a fearful person, but you'd always think, and they'd say, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And then if I think I can handle that and I can face that, then you can kind of proceed. And maybe we should yeah. all do that. But a lot of people can't even handle yeah. like, like the middle level of what can happen, right? People do cower. Well, it's, it's certainly intimidating. There's no question about that. But I just knew. I just knew there was no way that I was going to consent to anything that put my daughter at risk. Yeah. And with that certainty, that's what gave me the strength 
to go about it in the manner in which I did. Fantastic. Yeah. Tasha, I'll give you the final word. Uh, what do you want people and women, uh, Canadians to know on how to stand for their rights? She's frozen. Uh-oh. Oh, we've lost Tash again. Oh, I'm so sad. All right. Well, Andrea, um, uh, God bless you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for standing strong. And you'll let me know about that Zoom call because there yeah, might definitely. be many parents who'd like to be ready or maybe facing similar things. And if you have a like-minded lawyer prepared to help parents, that might be a very good thing. I think it'll be a great conversation and anyone is welcome to join who is interested, um, particularly if you have a similar situation or have, um, it would be excellent. So I'll keep in touch with you and update you with the exact time. I'd appreciate it. Thank you, Andrea. Okay. Thanks for sharing your story. And we, we love you, Tasha, wherever you are. Take care and we'll talk again okay. soon. All right. Thank so you so we much. Do, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, Kayleen Crashley is in the uh, feed. We see her there. Hello, Kayleen. Uh, and she's the one who helped us get all these t-shirts ready. And we, we brainstormed on a bunch of the shirts because a few said different things. Like one says, God's the boss, not you. <laughs> I really like that one. I think I came up with that. <clears throat> um, and uh, so, so Kayleen, so look for her in the feed. Uh, I do have Kayleen's email. Should I just put that out, Kayleen? Is that okay? I mean, I can't really hear you right now, but it's Kayleen Crashley. What? How? Let me see if I can. Oh, kcrash at yahoo.com. So K-A-Y crash, C-R-A-S-H at yahoo.com. Kayleen's the kind of girl that crashes into life and uh, makes things happen. And I appreciated her. She was like our road manager when we were doing our tours <laughs> and she was fantastic. So thanks for that, Kayleen. I think that... Um, that we're going to go to Mark Savoya. Is, do you see him? You don't see his camera? Yeah, if you're there, Mark, we want you to turn your camera on. Um, we could go to this video about Alberta Attorney General Tyler Shandro announces that Alberta will take over the prosecution of firearms charges from the feds starting in 2023. So once again, this is about, you know, I guess disarming Canadians. Take a look. First... As Alberta's Attorney General, I have directed that the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service take over the handling of charges involving the Firearms Act starting January 1st, 2023. Currently, the federal government handles cases involving the Federal Firearms Act. Provinces have the constitutional jurisdiction to handle federal criminal law charges, including charges under the Firearms Act. Alberta's Crown Prosecution Service already has the expertise to take on this work and any further resources will be provided. I've sent a letter to the Federal Minister of Justice as of this morning, advising him that Alberta is taking this jurisdiction back. Alberta's Crown Prosecutors will now determine whether or not to pursue charges under the Firearms Act, not federal government lawyers. And second, a new protocol has been issued to Crown Prosecutors, which outlines how to handle charges related to the federal firearms ban. While respecting the operational independence on individual cases, the new protocol provides prosecutors with guidance on evaluating the public interest on whether or not to pursue charges. Isn't that fantastic? Um, I think that the, all the provinces need to take control and take um, all, all the power away from the government in, in Ottawa. 
I think we should almost become like just our own independent, you know, places. Uh, the United States is like this. Uh, Governor DeSantis is far different from crazy man over there in California, right? Um, or crazy lady in, um, in New York, right? What's her name? Kathy Hochul? Um, you know, like just nonstop nonsense going on in some of the states, and yet others have tremendous leadership and uh, governors who bring in good laws and um, let the people of that state know how they can function. And that really worked and served very well for Florida during COVID when Governor DeSantis refused to comply with any of the ridiculous rules of the Democrats. They had such power. And I think that this is how Alberta is taking that back. Now, we're not seeing that in British Columbia, where all of us liberal uh, NDP, you know, I'm talking about the people around me, it certainly isn't me, but I'm very sad about British Columbia. We've lost our way. Totally, totally taken in by whatever. I think it's, it's the news. It's you know, just misinformation out there. It's just so wrong. Um, JT, could we go? I'm really curious. I really want to see this uh, this video number three. Uh, are we able to do that? Dr. Paul Merrick on the miracle drug Ivermectin. Let's listen to that. Ivermectin is a remarkable drug. You know, people poo-poo it, talk about it as horse dewormer. I mean, which is completely absurd. So if you had to design a drug for COVID, it would look exactly like ivermectin. It has all the properties that any drug would want. It's antiviral, so it works against a whole host of RNA viruses. This is indisputable. It um, is anti-inflammatory. We know this. There are multiple studies showing that ivermectin is a very powerful anti-inflammatory drug. We know that what it does is it stimulates a process called autophagy which is very important in the process of healing. And it's one of the main mechanisms that we use to help patients get rid of spike protein. And ivermectin, believe it or not, stimulates autophagy. The other thing it does which is important is it changes, improves the microbiome. So we have all of these bacteria in our gut. And what happens is COVID and the vaccine changes your microbiome in a very unfavorable manner, very unfavorable. It causes profound changes in the microbiome. And this in itself has serious consequences. Ivermectin helps restore the, the microbiome. So it truly is, 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 is a multifunctional drug which is safe. And it, it works both for early COVID and it also is very effective for the vaccine injured. Mm. Do you know that millions of Canadians have no idea that's true? Never forget that nurse saying to me in Surrey Memorial, I said, my dad should be put on ivermectin. And she said, the horse pill medicine? Okay, so uh, demand for unvaccinated blood is soaring and I think this is a serious issue just like that web um, the article that we put forward you know before when Andrea was on that parents might be asking for it we're also finding that uh, 
that everybody wants it. Um, Imagine that you get sick and you've been a person who's chosen that you do not wish to be vaccinated and you're suddenly in a position where you might be in need of blood to save your life. Um, Can you imagine that you would not be given the option of having the protection? So demand for unvaccinated blood is surging worldwide. Bacteria, viruses, prions, and parasites can be transmitted by blood transfusions. Likewise, people vaccinated with the mRNA vaccine have the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein in their blood. The spike protein travels the entire body. Caused by the COVID-19 vaccination, lost for months, potentially permanently in the body for those who frequently take booster shots. Um, This is a very serious and continuing issue that's going on. Is Mark there yet? Because we'll keep going with some of our stuff. Um, From the high wire, um, former BlackRock portfolio manager Edward Dowd with Dell Bigtree on Australia's excess mortality rates. So we know people are dying in excess numbers worldwide. What's going on? Let's take a look. So you can see um, in 2020, they had slightly negative excess mortality. Uh, In 2021, they had 4% uh, excess mortality. In 2022, they have uh, 18% excess mortality. So so this is Australia. And let's ask this question. Um, We have miracle, supposed miracle vaccines. And uh, the uh, virus is now less virulent. Right. Correct? Yeah. So what's going on in Australia is very curious. At the very least, I don't hear Australian... Uh, health authorities talking about 18% excess mortality, and it's across all age groups, by the way. Uh, it's You can see here's the age groups right here. Uh, blue is 2020, black is 21, and green is uh, 2022. Excess mortality is taking off. Now, people might ask, why is, why is it taking off in 22? I, I, you know, I don't know what went on in Australia. I focused on the U.S. I'm sure there's a story that tells a little bit about why we're seeing this and why the elderly are being more adversely affected than the young. In in Europe and the U.S., it's mostly young uh, that mix shift in 21 from old. So there's something going on in Australia that needs to be explained. But again, we have crickets over there in their national media and their health authorities. But 16, 18% excess mortality is a disaster because an insurance executive at One America, Scott Davison, uh, on the results of his company, not blaming the vaccine, of course, said that a 10% excess mortality in young folks is uh, a once in a 200 year flood, a three standard deviation, right. 40% is off the charts. All of Australia is at 18% and it doesn't look like it's leveling off, looks like it's continuing to rise. Wonder what it could be. Um, another website regarding Australia says that pandemic babies with no immunity are ending up in intensive care across Australia. And I'll see if I can read this a little bit. Are we able to kind of go down there and see if I can? So rising number of pandemic babies with no immunity admitted to intensive care, children presenting with co-infections with COVID and other respiratory illnesses, RSV respiratory uh, syncytial virus kills 120,000 young children each year globally. NSW cases have exploded from 355 a week just three weeks ago to 3,775 a week. 
There is no vaccine for RSV, but it has almost identical symptoms to flu and COVID. A concerning number of pandemic babies with no immunity uh, to respiratory viruses are ending up seriously ill in ICU. Doctors have revealed children born during the COVID-19 pandemic are requiring intensive care from encountering viruses they haven't come across before, such as influenza, RSV, and COVID. The children had been born and raised when there were virtually no other viruses circulating in Australia other than COVID-19. And, and you know, that makes a lot of sense on how during COVID um, we all shut down and we kept home and everybody didn't get, um, they didn't get exposed to normal viruses. So that's definitely uh, one reason that this is happening as well. And then we had Dr. Mackis on our show yesterday also relating on the harms of the vaccine and the immunity-lowering um, qualities of the vaccine and how we're seeing that kids who have been vaccinated um, are also succumbing to the flu. And that's happening in British Columbia and Canada. So let's go to the video of uh, Professor Sharif Sultan, president of the International Vascular Society, raises concerns about COVID vaccines in relation to cardiovascular problems. Take a look. Vaccines are very important. They save lives. We have the smallpox vaccine. We have the measles vaccine. All of them have created a lot of potential to save lives. Then we came in with this COVID problems that we all of us took the COVID vaccine. Then we start to realize that we have problems with the COVID itself for the cardiovascular complication and we attributed it to the nasty virus to it. However, patient who had the vaccine and who had COVID after the vaccine starting having more complications from the cardiovascular problem. And then the minute they starting having booster, we discover that they get very severe vasculitic reaction. We don't know what's going on. And we investigating it, we reported it to the authorities and hopefully could find a solution for this problem. Whether it being injected directly into vein called vasculitis or whether the patient, because he has antibodies for the um, uh, virus, when you give him the booster, they get reaction that we need to check the antibodies for this patient, we don't know. This is need, need to be fully investigated and fully given choices for the patient about what to do with their situation because I cannot answer this question to anybody nor the current knowledge that we have could answer this problem. It would be great if somebody show us the light where to go from here. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, trying to find the light in the middle of all of this, all of the misinformation, all of the hidden information. I mean, it's just causing problems. And uh, if you watch this show every single day, you know that we're highlighting there's an awful lot they're not talking about and information is being hidden. Um, so if you've got the president of the International Vascular Society concerned and unaware, I'm, I'm not certain what we're all to do about it. Um, so Jordan Peterson discusses how scientific journals have become woke and corrupted and that is actually part of the entire issue of why there is such a deception over our nation. Take a listen. I, I knew Jordan. when the woke mob hit the scientists that they'd sink through them like a hot knife through butter because one thing about scientists is they aren't politically prepared and they're generally quite contemptuous of such things and to some degree rightly so because 
good scientists are hyper-specialists and they have their head down and their nose to the grindstone and they're experts in their tiny little domain, which is exactly what they're paid for, and thank God for all that beetling away diligently, but when the ideological woke mob starts to knock at their door, they don't have the foggiest idea what to do. And so great scientific journals like Science and Nature have become woke corrupted in the last two years to a degree that's almost impossible to imagine. And one of the things I've really learned here is that the so-called death of God, right, that Nietzschean prophecy, Nietzsche knew that that would take out the churches and most of civil society, but it wasn't so obvious that it would take out science too, but it looks like it's going to. So um, none of that's good news, really, none of that's good news. Not in the, not in the let's say, in the, in the overarching sense. I like to see the fact that people are gathering some steam in terms of pushing back, but I just can't see how the universities can maintain their hammerlock on education given what they now offer for the money. Ideo ideological indoctrination at $150,000 per degree if you're lucky. It's just not a viable business model, let's say. To paraphrase our prime minister in relationship to liquid natural gas production, we can't make a business case for that. <laughs> oh, you know, um, it's hard to understand um, how we've allowed this, how this crept in so quickly. Um, the woke culture has seized major strongholds, and that is not just in medicine, not just in education, also in the church, in business, and, you know, in media. So the mountains wherein lie the, you know, the authorities of the world have seemed to have been taken over. And now we're dealing with all of this and our children are being taught this. I don't know if it's a good idea to send your kids to university. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So I was talking to a dad recently about this and you know, this is what they were told. Okay, you grow up, you do this and that, and then you go to university and you get a degree and now all these kids are going to university, losing their faith, being told ridiculous things that they're actually believing the propaganda is so huge. Is that worth it? I don't know that it is. I don't think so. 100% <laughs> not, actually. So I'm urging all parents to get their children out of public schools. Take them out. I would not be able to have my child in a public school. Even if they're going to a Christian school right now, you better check what they're teaching because they've lost their way as well. Christian schools allowing faulty, unscientific teaching on gender to come into a Christian school. God help you all on Judgment Day. Um, here's an interesting video which is kind of sort of a wef's greatest hits basically and our favorite villain klaus schwab these are things he actually believes it should terrify you nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants. Just think of sensors 
planted into our brain. It doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing. It's a fusion of the physical, the digital and the biological world. That's really the essence of the fourth industrial revolution. Decarbonization of the economy. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned, we don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. This global reset is necessary. The carbon footprint tracker. It's not quite ready, but it's coming to a place near you. I'm so excited. I love to get my carbon footprint tracked and then I'll just do my best to increase it. I know I will, because that's the kind of girl I am. I'll just be going, well, what would increase my carbon footprint? Well, maybe I'll just be trying to do that, right? I don't know. What's wrong with these people? So they want us to all have brain plants in 10 years? I got an idea. <clears throat> you all get brain plants and you can go around reading each other's minds and all of that. And we will form a separate society and live peacefully as the Lord, the good Lord intended. So find your community, everybody. Be careful of these deviants, these crazy people. We're not crazy. They are. And what's really funny is that most of the people that you know and love that don't buy into your um, oh, they think you're a conspiracy theorist. They don't even know about this guy. They don't even know what he's saying. They don't even know that the world is planning. All the governments of the world are planning for exactly these kinds of initiatives. Um, we all have to be vaccinated in order to basically survive. Is that so? Klaus, you know what? I want to honor him by giving him my vaccinations. I would like to donate to you all of my boosters and all the shots that I should have done because are you aware that Canada is going to have to chuck out a, a ton of them because they never got used? I mean, that was bad handling, wasn't it? We all paid like a lot of taxes and now we're going through inflation and you've been printing money galore for vaccines you're now after going to throw away. I donate mine and all the 10 vaccines that Trudeau wanted me to take to Klaus Schwab. And I hope that they can get sent to him as fast as possible. Um, now, some of you are saying on our, our Facebook right now, where have you been? We haven't seen you for so long. Guys, I, I always tell you, I get knocked off of here for telling the truth, right? Routinely. So I don't know why um, Facebook, you know, has been a little bit rougher on me. I know it's been rough on other people too. I've heard that there must be a regime change. Somebody's come in and they're looking at all of us who are, you know, saying this stuff. They're freaking out as a, a new lefty or a new woke person. And they're like, whoa, I'm in charge now. Ding, 30 days, 30 days for you. You can't go on Facebook. You know, it almost kills us. They know it. But somehow I survive. So here's the thing. Rumble.com. Go to rumble.com whenever you haven't seen me for a couple of days and check out um, Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson on Rumble. It's super easy. I think that below on, on Facebook, aren't we listed in the, the our Rumble? Uh, our Rumble URL is there, isn't it? In the description. So you just go down and you'll always see me there. Also, I'm always on Twitter. I am encouraging everyone, get on board with the Elon train. 
I'm not saying he's perfect and he doesn't, you know, maybe want us to have discs in our bodies too. I don't, I'm not going to go for that. But as long as Elon wants to make free speech popular and give us, uh, you know, give us our freedom and allow us to say anything that we want, that's what I want. That's what I want. So, oh, Mark is there. That is fantastic. So we'll save the funny video for the last. Let's bring on Mark. Mark, we've been waiting for you. And you said you were only for getting some reason. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Laura, for some reason, all I was getting was a blue screen. It was blocking me out. So right. I had to switch my VPN server on my phone to Mexico. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's what it is. Maybe they're tracking you down over there in Costa Rica. So, so Mark, what's new? Uh, we always like having you on because you give us Canadians uh, sort of a glimpse into another world. You live in this beautiful place called Costa Rica, and um, and uh, you can still get a good plot of land there at a reasonable price. Uh, people do not have guns, let's say, in Costa Rica, unless I, I think if you're if you become a um, I mentioned this because we're talking about guns today and there might be those that love, but I think you can get a gun license there if you, if you actually sort of become a citizen, right? Or something like that. I don't know if you know the laws. Yeah. Yeah. So once you become a resident, you can have a, uh, firearms and you can actually have a carrying, uh, license to carry a, a nine mil or 12 mil on you at all given times. Okay. Uh, until then they forbid you to have a gun. Right. Okay. Very, very, very cool. Um, tell me about uh, how Costa Rica is doing in this global world of COVID and all of that. I have seen that the president is quite a real standard for freedom. And I've been encouraged to read what the president of Costa Rica has been saying. Well, the president, what he's doing, he's trying to expose everything. He knows the country's ran by the people. And he sees the amount of foreigners that are moving to Costa Rica, especially Canadians that are coming here. Uh, a lot of like-minded Canadians that are just tired of what's going on. But it is crazy. While everywhere else starts to slow down, Laura, it's ramping up here. Like, it is insane. In the last uh, three days, I've had like six families come here, just out of the blue, just book a flight. And they're making it harder to get on flights to get to Costa Rica directly, but people how? are finding their ways. How and why? How how are they making that harder? Uh, doing more like layovers and canceling flights. For some reason, it's uh, Costa Rica is what they don't want Canadians to be coming here. Um, I was talking to a gentleman last night who's part of the Interpol for Canada, and. He goes, because Costa Rica and Canada have no treaty, they didn't want him to continue his job here in Costa Rica because they have no jurisdiction over him here. Right? Wow. Uh, I would love to see if I can get him on the show. I know he's still working for Interpol for Canada. And he just told me last night, he goes, just, he goes, just wait to see what's to come for Canada. He goes, it scared him enough that he's here now. Right. Well, I, am, I am hearing from those people that just feel there's some people um, and my audience is very diverse and there's some people, Mark, that say, you know, we're here to fight and to stand up for our country. And there's others who others who are saying they feel abused and scared here. 
and they're ready to go. And I, I think all of those feelings are valid. I think that God may call you to want to go somewhere. And I am, I find that Costa Rica could be a place of peace and you, you, it's a different life, but you could set up yourself to be very happy. For instance, those, those beaches and that warm water, that's not hard to get used to for sure. It, you know what, Laura, I'm, like I said, like always, I'm not going to complain. It is breathtaking. It's stunning. But what I love about it most is the amount of Canadians that are here. Uh, and the funny part is everybody's connecting. It, 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 this is starting to feel more like home. This is actually starting to feel like Canada, right? In a funny way, it feels like Canada just within the tropics. But, like, you know, even Toby. Toby runs around everywhere. There's so many families here. And then I love it. And I've met a lot of people that simply adore you that have come here in the last few days and they That's see awesome. everything too. And they're like, wow. I, I got to find a way yeah. to get a kickback on that, Mark. You know what I mean? Like I'm bringing people to Costa Rica. Well, I fell in love with it. You know what I mean? It, it really is beautiful. And I've got kids and grandkids here. So I, I'm a little bit torn unless, you know, unless the whole family wants to up and leave, you know, we all have, those things that are important, but, but like in Costa Rica, for instance, if you wanted to sort of have six months in Canada and six months in Costa Rica, that would work well too, because you could have like the off season where, um, uh, or different seasonal times where you could have an Airbnb if you wanted to invest in a home or something, and then you could do an Airbnb there. And it's my understanding that you can make a pretty good living doing that. So friends of ours who bought our first beach, uh, first beach house, which isn't, you can't own anything right on the beach. Uh, for February, the Envision weekend, which is a massive festival here, they're booked at $1,500 a night. And that's, that's just a regular place, you know? Um, yeah, so when it comes to Airbnbs, because property taxes on a regular uh, middle-class income home Property taxes are like four to like eight hundred dollars a year. You know, electrical. Somebody's running electrical twenty four seven in the house while they're staying on vacation. It, it's going to be about four four hundred fifty dollars a month. Your uh, internet's about seventy five dollars a month. But when you're renting, the average house is renting out anywhere from three hundred a night and upwards from there. You can make a pretty penny on your return. And the nice thing about it is taxes here range anywhere from eight percent up to 20 25 percent that you're paying your taxes on it right so you're not it's not like canada where you know more than half of your income is going back to the government and then you're being taxed on top of your taxes right so it's yeah. hard to survive it's just I'm amazed very the, easy the property tax the I'm property sorry? tax the property tax is so low there it is and the nice thing about it is because you have to remember here if you don't have kids you're not contributing to the school system, right? So there is no unemployment here, right? So you're not contributing to that. So, you know, people that have their kids that they come down with, there's all sorts of different private schools, semi-private schools, Montessori schools, anything and everything that you're looking for, they have. So you're paying strictly for your kids. So they're not going around to everybody saying, hey, you know, everybody has to contribute thousands of dollars every year to childcare. Everyone has to contribute to schooling. 
everybody has to contribute to unemployment. Costa Ricans love to work. You don't have to worry about heating a house here because it's always nice and hot, right? Mm -hmm. When they build with block, you don't have to worry about the AC, right? Because the house stays nice and cool. But, and there's the nice thing about it, when you're looking to work here, if you want to sell popsicles on the beach, sell them. No one's going to say to you, where's your license? You know, why haven't you paid $50,000, $100,000 to the government to have that spot on the beach to sell your popsicles? If you want to make a living here, you can make a living and no one harasses you. That's what I love about it. And that's what I find a lot of Canadians. I get a lot of people that are reaching out to me, Laura, and they're saying there's so much misinformation in Canada about Costa Rica now that they're hearing that, you know, so third world, how do you live there? Do you have uh, state-of-the-art stores? Do you have the amenities that we have back in Canada? And it's like, yes, 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 right? So it's, it's nice. And then when people come down and they see with their own eyes, they're blown away. They're like, wow, right? You know, up in the mountains, we got foam, you can't get fiber optic up a hill, right? So they're, they're amazed by it. But the cost of living, so your initial setup, like I was saying before, is always gonna be a little bit on the high end, depending on where you wanna be and how you wanna be established. But when it comes to networking and the cost of living, it's, it surprises me the other day, you know, okay, the price of steaks went up a bit. So four filet mignons now are like $15 for four filet mignons for 10 ounce filet mignon steaks wrapped in a really good uh, piece of bacon. But it's still so much cheaper than what it is at home. How could you go wrong with it? Mm -hmm. And one of the, the things that I loved about Costa Rica when I was there, I just loved the lush uh, green vegetation and all the fruit trees that can grow virtually everywhere. Avocados in your backyard, lemon trees, lime trees, you know, um, pineapples. It's just, um, it's a, a land that's rich with food. And so I always think, you know, that even if the world goes through a famine, that's probably not coming to that land. It's funny because we have uh, avocados, we have limes and oranges on uh, my smaller property. And all the local workers in the area, they come and they tippy toe and they grab off the trees. And I tell them, I'm like, just take whatever you want. I go, the lime tree has like a thousand limes on it. The avocado has like four or five avocados on it. I'm like, come and help yourself. I go, they're not. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, you froze. Is he gone? Oh, we lost Mark. Oh, well. It's pretty much the end of the show. You got the story there. Uh, lots of Canadians moving there. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. We're getting a lot of shiny stuff happening, eh, JT, on our show. Um, my website is laurelin.tv and oh, oh yeah, yeah, we got a funny video. You got to see this. Okay, watch. <laughs> so yeah, I sprained my ankle pretty bad playing hockey. Well, we all like hockey, don't we? Yes, we certainly do. Let me have a look at your x-ray here. Is that a drawing of my ankle? Yeah, it's how we do it now. X-rays are expensive and our socialized healthcare system doesn't want to fund those, so this is the second best option. Mm-hmm. Yep, and here's the problem here. You can see how this ligament comes down to the entanchment point of this hard thing down here? You mean the bone? Yeah, I think that's what they're called. And the ligament has a partial tear down there. So is this a surgery kind of thing? This kind of injury responds better to assisted suicide. What? <laughs> I don't want to commit suicide. You won't have to. We'll assist you. Why would I possibly want to do that? Because of your ankle. I thought you said it was hurting. Yeah, but 
I came in here with a sprained ankle and you're trying to talk me into dying? Dying therapeutically. I have a minor problem and you're trying to inflict the biggest problem imaginable on me as a solution? Why can't I just have surgery for it? Surgery is very expensive on the healthcare system. So it turns out that just offing patients is a more cost-effective approach. But we have socialized healthcare, which means I've paid enormous amounts of taxes into the system and somehow the system can't afford to pay for simple care for me? Yeah, we definitely thought socialism and healthcare would work. Weird how it's not though. So the government would rather put me to death instead of paying for healthcare with my own taxes that I've paid in? Now you get it. So you're telling me my own government would rather have me killed than spend any money on me? The realities of socialism oddly turn out the way they always have, but for the good of the whole, of course. This seems criminal. Will Tuesday the 7th work for you? For what? Your assisted suicide treatment. No! How about Wednesday the 8th? I'm not gonna do it! Come on. No! But we've got quotas to fill. Wait a minute, as a doctor, I thought you took an oath to save lives and to do no harm. Well, yeah, but you know how this is kind of the opposite of that? Yeah. So that kind of makes it the same thing, just two sides of the same coin. That is psychotic. So will Thursday the 9th work for you? <sighs> okay. Great, just sign here. Uh, let me help you with that. So you're sure that me dying is in my best interest? I'm a doctor. Trust me, okay? I trust you. Fantastic! This is gonna be so much fun. But until then, let me write you a prescription for that ankle yeah, pain to help hold you over. Oh, Mark's back. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark, you're I back. I don't know what's happening. That's okay. Do you know what? Sometimes they know we've got great guests on and then they just, they just mess with the connections. Mark, you're not the only one. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I apologize. No problem. No problem. Well, okay. So give us your best final pitch. We get it. And, and people might want to be able to get a hold of you, Mark, because, uh, they're thinking they'd like a visit or something. I'm, I've got some friends heading down there in January, actually. Where, where could they get a hold of you? They can call my cell phone at 519-942-7608. Okay. They can reach out to me on WhatsApp. Yep. 519-942-7608. Um, How many people give you yeah, their they, cell, cell phone online? Hilarious. They can call me. They can WhatsApp me. Yeah. Message me any way they want. Okay. Okay. And, and I know, I mean, you're such a great guy. You spend time with everyone, giving them the answering questions and helping them. And uh, I, I really appreciate that, Mark. I, I like what you're doing for humanity and and uh, I envy how great it is. I bet it's warm there, huh? It's freezing cold here. It, how, how warm it is, is it? I know. I know. It's uh, today was like 36, sunny, but it's it's nice, Laura. Like I said, I, I can't complain. I know. Right? You it, sure it's such can't, a change. Mark. Yeah, and it feels more like home. Yes. I, I like that. And I do know that there are many, many people moving there. Um, I certainly met lots of Canadians and Americans there. And our producer, Toby, works and, and actually produces this show, gets all of our great guests uh, from there. And uh, she's loving it, meeting more and more people every day as well. So 
it's just very, very important, I think, that we... Um, we understand in life that we've got choices and maybe we have to live a little because I feel like the world in the last three years told us not to live um, to the abundance of what we could. And I like breaking those boundaries. Book your book your vacation, everyone. Head on down. And maybe it's a bit of a trip if they try to delay or make it a bit harder, but yeah. it's certainly worth getting there. And if anyone needs help, like even when it comes to accommodations, uh where to rent a car or anything, I'll hook them directly up with the owners and direct with the companies and they can get my discounts on it also. Very nice. Very nice, Mark. Mm -hmm. uh, nice to hear all those um, those birds in the background too. Super fun. I love it. Keep Rob. up the good work, brother, and I'll see you there soon one of these days. 100%. God bless, Laura. Thank right. you so much. God you bless, take Mark. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. All right. Uh, our website is lauralyn.tv. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, if you're interested in picking up some gold and silver, um, someone again asking me, you know, if, if I don't have too much money, you know, should I really be investing in gold and silver? Well, if it doubles, you know, or uh, I've seen estimates on it just like literally quadrupling. So it, you know, if you can put a little away and you get some money, back. I don't think it can hurt if you just, it's amazing how much you can save if you're like my husband and I know this because we couldn't figure out how we were paying the electricity company. Um, a hundred, how, how much every month, a hundred and I don't know, $20 or something. And every year they, we would suddenly have, you know, right. We, we hadn't lived at this place uh, for a long time. And then we'd find out that we'd been paying the electrical bill there. Well, we couldn't figure out where it was coming from. We checked our bank accounts and all of our um, credit cards. And then one day my husband found it was on this private account I have. I guess I'd set it up on that one. So he wasn't too thrilled about the private account. He didn't know why I would really be needing that. But I explained to him, it's not a private account. It's just an account where I went in and you weren't there. So I opened up an account just so we'd have like a savings thing. And and then I started paying the electrical bill. And hasn't that worked out well? Because we kept getting a refund, you know, every year or so we'd put in and say, well, you know, we want the refund back now. And so the electrical company, they would send us this check. And I'm like, hey, what could be wrong with that? But anyways, the whole thing about having that private personal account on the side that he never knew about, that was problematic. But we were able to sort through it. So my website is lauralyn.tv and I really appreciate uh, y'all watching and also your donations. I appreciate a wonderful gift yesterday. I thank you for that. It really, really helps us. It means the world to us that you believe in us and that you're sowing good seed into this ground. We are going to be here telling the truth for a very, very long time whatever that might look like. And we're getting on all the platforms where we don't need to worry about, you know, them shutting us down. Unfortunately, um, I sure do like Facebook. I like all the memories that I've created there. Uh, but I just think we have to be able to tell the truth. And, and if we've got stats and figures and if we've got data behind everything that we put out, I think that should be fair. And most of all, go to Twitter. <laughs> I love what they're doing. You're allowed to say say any of the data on Twitter. I appreciate that about Elon Musk. Who is back on there now? Steve Kirsch is back on. Mike Lindell. Randy Hillier. 
Randy Hillier, back on Twitter. God bless Elon Musk. All right. And thanks for your support. We appreciate it very much. I want to close today by reading to you from Matthew 22. And this is the parable of the wedding banquet. And it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding, a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and he said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, that the oxen and the fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. It's free. You just have to walk in the door. But they paid no attention and they went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants and they mistreated them. They even killed the master's servants who invited them to the banquet. He sent his army and he destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street. Go to the street corners. Invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and they gathered all the people they could find. The bad as well as the good. After he had invited all the good people, all of the people that were his best friends thought would show up at the banquet and when they didn't want to come they they decided and were told and given instructions to invite the bad as well as the good to the great banqueting hall are you one of the bad or the good because we're all invited even if you've been bad but when the king came in to see the guests he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes, and he asked, how did you get in here without your wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. I want to be found at the end times that I have clothed myself with God's word, God's principles, God's ways, that I have been found faithful wearing the clothes of God's righteousness. You know why I can stand so confident in him? If you read my book, Relentless Redemption, I write about some of my mistakes, mistakes that were costly and painful. And I write about God's relentless redemption in my life. Because you know what he did? He invited the bad and the good people. Uh, you know who the good people are, right? They're all the deacons at the church. They've only had one wife, one husband maybe. And um, they, they, their kids, they got three kids. One's going to be a teacher. One's going to be a doctor. Their worst kid's going to be a lawyer, you know. But they have it all together. All the kids are doing well. The family's serving the Lord. These are the perfect people. They're the good people invited to the banquet. But sometimes God invites the bad people. And those ones are the ones that have been clothed with his righteousness because they didn't have a righteous garment. 
Jesus became their righteousness. I'm one of those, and I'm proud of it, and I get to go to the banquet. Have a great weekend, everyone. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.